If it's Drunk Sports, it must be Tuesday night. I'm Jonathan Levy. Sitting over there is Grant Dennison. He's about to crack open beer number three. Here it comes. Yeah, that's not a sound effect, people. That's the real thing. I choose to abstain from this podcast. Wow, why is that? I don't know. I'm just kidding. Oh, okay. That was it? (laughs) I just wanted to create some controversy. You know, people love controversy. They do. That's first take. That's Skip Bayless. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Stephen A. Smith. You're Skip Bayless. Let's go. Let's argue about something ridiculous and take ridiculous positions. I think the sky is red as fuck. The sky is orange and everyone knows it. All All right. right. Nice job. Nice job. Thanks. Also, let's say something racist and act like it isn't. Well, I don't want to say anything racist. Uh, You always say something racist. Name one time. I would, but that would me then saying something racist. I'd feel bad about it. That's an easy out for you, I This is the Danny Ferry. (laughs) <laughs> Excuse you know, That's what happened with Terry Ferry. But anyway, let's explain to the new people and the old folks as well. When by old folks, I mean the elderly, uh, what it is that we do here on this show, shall we? Uh, yeah, you do that. That would be great. So we talk about sports on this show, not surprisingly. But as we do it, Grant gets progressively drunker. He's already on beer number three because he always starts off with number two. Number three. And this is a drinking game. Yeah. So it's not just a podcast because who wants to just listen to a podcast? So boring. Why not have a drinking game associated with the podcast? So fun. The drink, drinking game is drink along with Grant. Uh, nobody wins. Everybody loses. I thought so, everybody wins. Uh, everybody wins? It depends on your perspective, yeah. I suppose. If you're the spouse of the person who's playing, you definitely <laughs> lose. Well, the spouse should be playing along or else you should probably divorce. Yeah. That's that's my thought. I think divorce is a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so there's different levels you can play at. You can play at bronze level, which is drink half as much as Grant drinks throughout the podcast. I always start having had two beers. I just cracked my third, as you heard. So if you're on the bronze level, you should be Starting your second beer. Right. Or so have had one before the podcast. Kill or kill one really quick right now yeah. to catch up and then get into your second And those one. in the silver medal level will be drinking along with me at the same pace. I drink about 5% beers, so drink those. The gold level is drinking high alcohol beers. I don't know why you would ever do that. Don't do the gold level. No, no. Strongly, <laughs> strongly recommend that you don't do the gold level. Absolutely do it. Platinum level is only really for Andre the Giant, and it is listening at double speed and keeping up with Grant. Yep, and that is that has been achieved, but we want to just remind everyone who's playing along, drinking along with Grant, to please be responsible as you do it. Don't drive. Don't operate heavy machinery. Don't be, in the, don't be caring for well, someone. Hold on, hold on. What about certain heavy machinery? Like, like what? Like a forklift, but if it's in your yard, then it's okay. You could crash into your house and destroy things. You could run over your child. No, 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 but no. Put, put some foam on the end of the forks. Oh, you could put some foam on the end of your child also. Yeah. <laughs> that would be a good way to do it. I highly recommend driving a forklift. No <laughs> heavy machinery. That's the rules. Okay, so we're going to split this up, as we often do anyway, into four quarters. We start with headlines. We're going to do our NBA preview this time around. We started it last week. We're going to do some more this week. We're going to talk about best point guards in the league as well as some other NBA stuff, some other NBA notes. And, of course, we always end with hashtag LTDFI, let the drunk fix it. I will fix it. That's where we pose sports dilemmas to Grant. And he, at his drunkest, by the way, he'll be like eight beers in at that point, and he does his best to fix them. I'll do my best. He sometimes does an interesting job. He did a pretty good job last week. Thanks. Not too good. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. So you ready to get into headliners? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. I feel like there should be um, – I know we have this that great new music at the beginning now, which I kind of love, so yeah. that's cool. But when we have this whistle to start the quarters. I would like it when I say headliners for there to be a guy being like, headliners. That would yeah, be awesome. We don't have a producer, so if we did – That would be a good thing, though. Yeah. I mean, we – yeah, okay. We're not Whoever is a listener and truly loves drunk sports – 
and you know about producing and stuff. Or just, you know, can make we some got jobs a, We got us. an internship opening, unpaid, no recommendations guaranteed. <laughs> yeah. And just send us some cool drops from the yeah. show that you think would be great. Or create your own. We might, we very well may use them. We're, you know, we're freeloaders. We'll take it. Good? That's, that's accurate, yeah. All right. Let's get into uh, the headlines. It's all about the National Football League, Grant. All right. The National Football League. Is that joke ever going to end? Nope. You're that is a running joke One year buddy. from now, you're still going to be doing that you joke? You didn't even mention that I said instead of if it's Tuesday, it must be drunk sports. The today I did, if it's drunk sports, it must be Tuesday. Yeah, I know because it's just – I don't care. Wow. That's the reason. Wow. Yeah. There's a lot, of, a lot of – I feel like there's good jokes and there's bad jokes. That one's on the spectrum. I'm going to say that. Folks, you can't you can't see it because you're not here, but i just let you know there's a lot of tension in the room. Right <laughs> oh, a lot can, of tension. You can cut it with a hot butter knife. <laughs> All right, so let's start talking about the Atlanta Falcons. All right. Who are 4-1, and one, and they had a – I'm going to call it a surprising win at Denver. Yeah, what was – what was the record last year? It was not good, well, right? Thanks for bringing that up and asking. I don't know that in front of me. They had a losing record for sure. Yeah. I can look it up. You know, you're supposed to. You knew we were going to talk about Atlanta. <laughs> I didn't have, look that the up. The first thing you do is ask that I question. I did not look up their record. No, I didn't. What I, the hell? All right, it'll take a second. Okay, or two. that's fine. So, but anyway, let's talk about them. And all right, I'll find so they out. beat Denver. I mean, with Paxton Lynch as quarterback, but it's not like Denver's quarterback is why they've been good. I don't believe if Trevor Simeon played that suddenly the Broncos would have won that game or anything. I really don't. So, all right, so Atlanta does. Atlanta have the best offense in the NFL. Well, they have Matt Ryan, and he has been playing the best of any quarterback in the league by right. a fair amount somehow, which yeah, is also I mean, sort of shocking, right? He doesn't have the—he has Julio Jones, but besides that, his receivers are mostly his running backs, right? The other guys aren't amazing. He has Mohamed yeah. Sanu, who's okay. He's okay. He's fine. Yeah. But um, but both Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman have played very, very well. And Tevin Coleman had 132 receiving yards last week, so that's pretty good. That is pretty impressive. By the way, they were 8-8 eight and eight last year. They're 4-1 and okay. one this year. And to be clear, these is, this is not a soft 4-1, and one, right? They beat uh, – they went to Denver and won. They went at New Orleans. They beat Carolina at home. They beat Oakland at home. Their only loss was the first week of the season to Tampa Bay when Jameis threw four touchdowns. That's where Tampa Bay beats teams that it's not supposed to. But well, it's they, not a very good team. I mean, they beat one team. Yeah, but they also they beat, beat Carolina. Oh, oh, I guess they beat yeah, Carolina. Which, but, I mean, but Carolina is another topic we're going to get to, I yeah, suppose. Yeah, for sure. We don't yeah. know. Uh, so, yeah, Matt Ryan, just to get, put a little pin on this Matt Ryan thing, I said he's playing better than everyone else. He's got 12 touchdowns, two interceptions. He's 31, of course. His career yards per attempt is 7.34 yards, which is pretty good. Yeah. This season through five games, 10.36 yards per attempt. That's helped by some gigantic Julio Jones touchdown. It is, but even so... Three yards more per attempt is insane through five games. Right. That's this is career year type stuff for Matt Ryan. So first question What's his is: yard, Do you know his uh, yards per game, or how many yards is, does he have? He total? has something like seventeen hundred yards. So that's he's pretty good. Yeah, almost three fifty a game. That's really good. I mean, Julio had three hundred yards in one game receiving, and, yeah. and Ryan had five hundred yards in that one game. So that sure, kind of sure. brings up the average a bit. But even so, without that five hundred yard game, he's still averaging three hundred yards. Yeah. Per game, which is still Atlanta's defense, really good. by the way, not very good. They're doing this just by outscoring the other team yeah. with a bad defense. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Really impressive. So Ryan's been crushing it. The other thing that's interesting to me, there was a lot of talk. We're fantasy football players here. So there was a lot of talk about Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman before the season started. Is Devontae going to have the same kind of year he had last year? Is Tevin Coleman going to come in and take a lot of touches? And an interesting thing has happened in the Atlanta backfield. So through the first several games, through the first four games, actually, Freeman outtouched Tevin Coleman, but not by that much, by 13 touches total for the first four games. However, in the most recent game where they just you know went to Denver and won, so sort of their toughest game in some ways, Freeman outtouched Tevin Coleman 26-10. to 10. 
Wow. He got all the carries. Like 24 to 6 was the carry split. But Coleman had a lot of big plays. Coleman did have a lot of big plays, but they still gave Tevin Col- uh, they gave uh, Freeman the ball, excuse me, two and a half times more than they gave to Tevin Coleman. So wow. the question is, do you think this is uh, a trend? Do you think they've decided like they're just going to ride Devontae much more and have Tevin be more of a change of pace type guy? I don't know if they are because they. it's weird because they use them in kind of the same way. Yeah, they do. I think the difference is how they run when they're handed the ball. Not They're both good receiving backs, which is interesting. Yeah. makes it an interesting offense. But uh, Devontae's more of a jukey guy who kind of gets, gets around the defense. Tevin Coleman's more of a straight-line runner. He's just fast and, and finds the right hole. Kind of like it reminds me of a much worse version of David Johnson, you know, who just pay, <laughs> patience and then hits the hole correctly. I mean, they, they're both running behind a pretty great offensive line. Yeah. And the threat now of Ryan throwing also probably opens up some more holes than it otherwise would. They can't ever stack the box or I mean, consider doing that they, I, I think – a good idea for them is probably to do a lot of two running back sets because you just don't know what's coming then because they're both really talented backs and they could both catch or run. They don't really give Kevin Coleman the ball too much to run anymore. They were up till this game, and I really went back and looked at all the games. It was pretty close even in terms of rushes. So, like, Freeman would always get more, but it'd be like two or three more rushes, like 13 to 10 or 10 to 8. But this time it was 24 to 6. It's like they maybe it was a scheme thing. Maybe it was the Denver being the opponent. Or perhaps they've decided, you know, we're going to really run the ball with Devontae for the most part anyway, and that we're going to pass the ball a little bit more to Tevin Coleman. Because Coleman yeah. seems to be a better receiver in my mind. I He's mean, a little faster, Devontae's a little bigger. a pretty good receiver, but yeah, he Tevin is. Coleman also can line up as a receiver right. and, and actually run a good route and catch the ball downfield. Right. Devontae is more of a dump it off kind yeah. of a guy only. Yeah. Tevin Coleman is not. I agree. He like, looks like a tight end out there. Right. Yeah. yeah. All right. So Atlanta kind of crushing it. Pretty impressive, by the way, the next three games at Seattle. Then they host San Diego, and then they host the Packers. So kind of a big stretch for them. Right. So, if I mean, the San Diego game, not that difficult. But the other, if they win the other two games or one of the other two games yeah. even, that's impressive. Even winning at home against the Packers would be kind of huge, yeah. right? So they got a great – I mean, do you think – they're probably going to win one of those two games, right? They just beat Denver in Denver. I, I got to say they're probably not going to win at Seattle. That's so you think they're going to beat Green Bay? I think I think they're probably going to be I think they're going to be Green Bay. You That's think they're going to be Green Bay? I think they might. I think they might be a better team than Green Bay this year. Wow. What is going on? That's weird. Well, let's let's continue that question of All what right. is going on because there's a few more wacky things that are happening currently in the NFL. Is that the National Football it's League? It's the National Football League. Okay, cool. Yeah. Dak Prescott is now well, he's four and one. That's what he is. He's the starter, of course, the rookie right. starter for the Dallas Cowboys. He's four and one, and they go to Green Bay this week. The question is this: after that is their bye. Tony Romo is supposed to come back after his bye, and by all accounts, he is progressing nicely in terms of the health. Thing. Right. So there's been a lot of talk lately about Dak Prescott remaining the starter, even if Romo is healthy, because they've been playing so well and winning these games. Especially if they go to Green Bay and win, and they're five and one. Yeah. Will. First of all, the question is, will Dak Prescott be the starter, and should he be the starter? Okay, so will he be the starter? I think not. I think it's likely no, especially because Jerry Jones has already said he doesn't want to bench Romo. Like Jones has actually said a bunch of things, and one of the things he said as – as recently as I think yesterday was, we're gonna we're gonna have to wait and see what happens with the quarterback position or some something like right. that. So, so okay, there's a lot of confounding variables yeah. here. He is not committed to Romo ultimately. There's a, this is a this is actually quite a complex situation. There's so many different factors. Wow. Right? So is okay. it is it that complex? I Go think on. it is. Well, All lay right. it out for me. All right. So factor number one, Tony Romo might not be the same as he was before. Okay. Like that's that's a big factor. He he might just be so injured that he can't really play like Tony Romo used to play. Sure. Let me tell you how Tony Romo used to play. Okay, bring it on. Because this, I didn't realize how good he was. 
If I if I'm mis- not mistaken, I think he's second all time in passer rating. Yeah. So let me tell you his 2014 numbers, which was his last healthy year. Cool. Oh, my iPad just did a weird thing. Okay, found it. Um, 70% completion rate. Yep. 3,700 yards. Yep. 34 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Yeah, that's like top six quarterback every year. Everybody wants that quarterback playing on their team, yep. right? Everyone, that, there's, there's a few teams who might say, well, we'll keep our guy, but that is it. He's That's a, that's a Pro Bowl-level quarterback for yeah. sure. Yeah, so, I mean, if he can come back to that for another two or three years how could you say no to that agreed yeah so there's that but maybe he's not that guy anymore due to these injuries yeah it's been a year two years i here's guess here's the other factor half. the yeah. factor is age i just said for two to three years and he probably can't maintain it for that long anyway he's getting pretty old he's like 36 or something some maybe older he might be 37 yeah Dak prescott's a rookie i mean it's time to start building for the future if you're the cowboys you have ezekiel elliott in the backfield you have a relatively young team all around Maybe you should just give the reins to Dak and try to trade Tony Romo to some team that just needs a quarterback. Like, give him to the Broncos and see what happens. All right, I got to push back on one right. of these points. I can't imagine why you think it's time right now to to prepare for the future. I mean, they are four and one. They're four and one, right? If they beat Green Bay, they'll be five and one. Don't you want your best quarterback? But they are four and one with Dak. They're four and one with Dak. That's true. But if Romo is the guy who he's been or close to it. Don't you have to go with that over there? Right, okay, let me ask this. Do okay. you think the Cowboys have Super Bowl chances this year? Is it, if, is it really – is it within the reasonable realm of possibilities? Well, let, let me ask you a question. Okay. Let me answer that question with a question. That's annoying, but go if ahead. If you get 2014 Romo back, do you think they're a Super Bowl contender? I think they might be without him, with Dak. That's the thing. That's crazy. All right, let's, I'm just let's look come at around. some Dak numbers. Let's look at some Dak numbers, and let's look at who they've beaten. Go ahead. Right, give, me, okay. give me your Dak numbers, and I'll give you mine. All right. Dak, so far this year, through five games, 69% completion rate, yep. 1,239 yards, yep. four touchdowns, zero interceptions, and three rush touchdowns. You know what that sounds like to me? What? Not a quarterback who can win games for you. Okay. Sounds like a guy who isn't losing games. Yeah. But four touchdowns through five games, that is not a guy who, you know. It's actually you seven touchdowns. He has three rush touchdowns. Fine. I'm talking about from as a passing okay, quarterback, yeah. though, right? Like, Four touchdowns through five games just ain't going to get it done in the playoffs. Like, you can't win. You can't beat Minnesota if Dak Prescott's your quarterback. Not yet. Maybe in two years. Maybe, Maybe. even next year. But it seems it, – this is – this reminds me a little bit of Tom Brady being the quarterback in year two – for in his year two, I should say, for the Patriots back in 2001. Now, they found a way to win. It was a miracle, really. It was incredible. But he basically never threw more than 15 yards downfield that entire season, you know? Like, it's really hard in this NFL where they protect the offensive players so much and the quarterbacks so much. If you can't score through the air, it's just – I know Denver did it last year, but it's so hard to win. It's not like the Cowboys have this incredible defense All right. To, to be clear, I was, uh, without telling the audience or you, yeah. already playing devil's advocate because I am on board with you that I think Tony Romo should be the oh, starter really? if he comes back. Nice. And I, I was just trying to argue the other way because I think it is a reasonable argument the other way. Well, here's, here's the other reason why I think you can't go with Dak and you have to go with Romo, assuming he's healthy. Maybe he isn't the Romo from two years ago, but if he's reasonably healthy and, and still some facsimile of himself— they're four and one, and that sounds really good. But let's talk. Let's look at who they've beaten. Okay, they've beaten Cincinnati, who's all right, not as good as we thought. They're two and three. Yeah, they've beaten Washington, who's three and two, but not a great team. They've beaten the 49ers, and they've beaten Chicago. That's it. That those four teams have a combined record of seven and thirteen. They're six games under five hundred. I mean, all right. this is so like they've been beating up on bad teams. Like they haven't played a really good team yet, and, and here we are. Like it's just not that impressive. Okay, um, here's another question about Dak. Okay. It's not exactly about Dak, but it relates to Dak. Is Zeke really good, and is that important for Dak's current success? 
I think having a strong running game, it's got to help Dak a yeah. lot, right? Because they are probably letting Dak throw, essentially. They might have the best running game in the NFL with that offensive line. Mm-hmm. Zeke is number one, and Alfred Morris is number two. He could easily come in and be a number one. I agree. And, I mean, Zeke is leading the NFL in rushing right now. Their offensive line has been the best in the league for the last few years. And they're showing, once again, that they are that. Especially because Dak is not any kind of downfield threat right now. I mean, think Cole Beasley is leading them in receiving. Like, yeah. that's not something to hang your hat on, he's right? The, he's the Wes Welker of the of them. Right. I mean, <laughs> yeah. what's going on right now is, da- like, when Dak goes back to throw, they're like, all right, it won't be that bad. Like, they might get a first down, but they're not going to score a big touchdown on us. There's no big play you have to worry about. And, you know, that's fine for now. But that isn't going to work when you have to play all the good teams, I think. That's fair. So I think Tony Starter should be the starter. I think he's going to be Tony the starter. Tony Starter should be the starter? Did I call him that? Yeah. That's how I think of him. He's Tony Starter. No, I, I think he should be the starter. I think he will be the starter, Romo. I think you're probably right. So hopefully they'll do that just for their sake. I'm not a Cowboys fan, but... There he's coming back after the bye, which is Week Eight versus Philadelphia. So I guess we're going to find out. So basically, you'll play this Green Bay I guess team. What and we're going to find out. out is how bad Tony Romo's injury is. Yeah, and, and if he can really come back from it. I hope they're not seduced by this sort of slightly illusory four and one start. That's all. All right. Again, I don't really care because I'm okay. not a Cowboys fan. Moving on. Moving on. Got two more quick things to talk about here. The Raiders are four and one. The Panthers are one and four. Here's my question. Is this a thing? Are these things we can hang our hat on now? Have these teams shown us something, or do we not believe these records right. as being represented? I got a quick these... answer for the Raiders. Go for it. No, it's not but a thing for the Raiders. Why not? They have beat. Okay, they beat one team that's good. They beat the Ravens. Yep. All right. Other than that, they beat the Saints uh, and the Titans and the Chargers. Yeah. They lost to the Falcons, which is fair. The Falcons are very good, but the Raider, Raiders being four and one, their overall point differential is plus five. Exactly. It's very only good. plus five. So they, if you recall, they won, was it first or second week of the season by going for two at the very end of that game? That was could first have, week against the Saints. They won by one. They could yeah. have very easily, they, they scored a touchdown at the end of the game to even get there. They could have easily lost that game. So they could be three and two. So you're in, agree, you're in agreement that the Raiders are not real? They're allowing 27.5 points a game. I don't see how they could be real. Yeah. Their defense was supposed to be much improved coming into this year. I mean, they do have Khalil Mack. That guy's incredible. But other than that, is it really that good of a defense? CO Moore. They have CO Moore. Yeah. He does some celebrations that he shouldn't. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So good. I agree with you on that. Okay. Carolina's one and four. They were 15 and one last year. It feels like every week we talk about this, but here we are again. They're that much deeper. Now, they only had Derek Anderson QBing for them, not Cam. And they almost, they, they were in the game till the end, but they lost against Tampa Bay, and their kick, Tampa Bay kicker missed two pretty easy field goals. Yeah. This game could have not been as close as it was. What do you think? I think that Carolina. The truth about Carolina is somewhere somewhere in between last year and this year. I think last year fifteen and one was ridiculous luck. Like they should have never been hmm. fifteen and one. I don't think they should be one and four either. I think they're probably like a nine or ten win team most years. I expect I'd, them to go about eight and eight the rest of the season. Yeah. I'm sorry, five hundred the rest of the season is what I should say. Yeah. So something like what they've played, they have what? They've played five games, right? So we have yeah. thirteen games left, like seven and six. Six and seven, one of those the rest of the season. They're not the team they were last year because they lost Josh Norman. That's a big deal. Uh, yeah, apparently it is. Kim yeah. got hit hard in the Denver game. It's possible he's never really recovered, which is something you mentioned last yeah. week. I agree with that. He, keep, he keeps getting hit. He missed this game because of those hits. We'll see if he's able to come back next week and play better. But it's hard to imagine them making the playoffs at this point. That's for sure. I agree. I agree. So, I, yeah, I don't think they'll make the playoffs. I don't think they're... 
they I don't think they were ever fifteen and one good, even with Josh Norman. I they think, had a great defense last year, though. This they year, did. This year they're allowing twenty six. But I points think a they're. Game. I mean, there's always some element of variance in yeah. in football. I, I don't think fifteen one was was really lucky for them. But remember how they blew out everybody in the playoffs until they lost to Denver. Yeah, like that was really impressive. They blew yeah, out Seattle and true. then they blew out Green Bay, right? Well, there might be it's some sort crazy. of cultural locker room thing going on. I mean, it can't just be Josh Norman alone. That can't be the only thing. No, well, Cam, Cam's cam been all yeah. fuzzy, basically, yeah, all Cam season. Yeah, Cam being fuzzy hurts a lot. Derek Anderson is a reasonably good backup yeah. quarterback, although he did make some really bad plays on Monday night. He's but. a backup, but he also made some nice throws. Yeah, he did. They really could have won that game. And he's he's a quarterback you can actually rely on to, to use the whole playbook, except for the running game with him yeah. running the ball. Like, right? if you're if it's first and goal on the one, I'm going to guess he's going to hand it like off some, and take some it backup himself. Quarterbacks, you have to reduce the playbook significantly. With him, I think you can still do the fly routes and everything. And yeah, just, yeah, he's but, a legit backup quarterback yeah. in this league. It's true. Yeah, but I think, uh, yeah, I think Carolina is not deserving of one and four, but they're not that good. Agreed. All, All right, right. I guess uh, we're done. Let's let's wrap up this quarter. We'll come back with some NBA talk. That whistle means it's time for quarter number two, which means it's the NBA preview and. Beer number five. If you're at the gold medal level, that means you're cracking open number three. Everyone else, keep up. Let's go. Number five. You know how it is. Grant had a whole beer while we were on break. We expect you to keep up anyway. I think you said gold and you meant bronze, but no big deal. Yeah, I did. I meant bronze. You're right. I mean, when you look at bronze and you look at gold, they're not that different. They look pretty similar, in fact. And, you know, you're probably going to feel similar whether you do the bronze or gold medal drinking game. So go for gold, everyone. Why not? Come on, Michael Phelps, right? Live your life. You know, how much do you have to live for? Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) All right, good stuff. Yeah. So we've decided we're going to um, talk about NBA point guards, this part of our NBA preview. This is a new segment we're going to start doing. We're going to do power ranking segments sometimes, not every week. No promises. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah. So we're doing, this week we're doing NBA point guards. We're going to rank our top 10 point guards, and it's specifically for this upcoming NBA season. Yes, and this is individual. It's not... We both agreed to this before right. the show. We each have our own rankings. We haven't discussed them yet. Not at all. Yeah. Not at all. The one the one thing people should know is that there's two guys who haven't been point guards who are now going to qualify as point guards as part of this discussion. One is James Harden. Which is annoying to me, but fine. Grant hates that, but he's going to be the full-time point guard, so he has to consider James Harden in the top 10. Yeah. The other one is the Greek freak Giannis Antetokounmpo. Antetokounmpo. How did I do? Uh, medium. Antetokounmpo. Let's not worry about it. Uh, so he also started playing point guard after the All-Star break for the Bucks. so he's got to be considered as well. And I have considered them both. Fantastic. So. so have I. So have I. So let's get going right into it. Let's start at the top and work our way down. I disagree. You want to start at 10 and work our way up? Yeah, I think we should. But I don't think the top two or three is going to be very surprising to anyone. That's not going to be any okay, arguments. Okay, fine. Fair enough. You know, All right, like that's Number fair. one to me is Steph Curry, and there's no question about yeah, it. Yeah, me too. He's the two-time MVP, averaged 30 points. He made more threes than Steph anyone. Steph Curry has to be number one. Number two is going to – we're both going to agree on number two also. I don't know if that's true, actually. Oh, you got something weird? I have Russell Westbrook. Oh, yeah. Me too. Oh, okay. I, yeah. thought, I thought you might have my have number Russell, three guy. I have Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook, just really quickly, he's 27. He gets 10 assists, 8 rebounds, sh- what, 27 uh, points a game or something like that? I can't something remember. He's likely to be the MVP this upcoming year. He's got a great chance to be. He shot 45% from the field. His only re- He's got a few weaknesses. Number one is shot badly from three-point range, took a lot of them. And he's sort of a black hole on offense, even though he's the point guard. Everything has to revolve around his right. game. And his skull is not completely able to handle all of the elbows in the world. Yeah. You know, because you've seen that picture, of course, with his skull kind of caved in. 
Wasn't that James Harden who no, also got... No, that, that was Russell Westbrook. Both of them actually have gotten really tough elbows thrown at Oh, them. you're talking about the Ron Artest yeah, James Harden thing. You Which, didn't actually see James Harden's skull, though. Russell Westbrook had, like, a visible skull dent. So you don't know... Why do you say I haven't James, seen James Harden's skull? Like after What I mean hit? is... I've seen it. I've okay, seen what I skull, mean is his, it was not as visibly dented. Okay, that I'll, I'll give you. Yeah. I'll give you. I think you actually have shown me photos of that, and it was bad. All yeah. right. Russell Westbrook, the pretty clear number two, I yeah. guess, on both our lists. Right. right. Number three, I feel like the number three is pretty straightforward also. CP3. Yeah. Chris Paul, 19 points, 10 assists, 4 rebounds, 2 steals, 46% from the field, 37% from 3, 31. He's going to continue to play well. Just to remind everyone, it's just about this year. It's not about the future. It's not about the past. Who do we want this year running the point for us? Right. And to... I. I thought it would be a clear top three for everybody. Like, that would be an easy yeah. top three in that order. Yeah. But ESPN has CP3 ranked number one. Yeah, that's insane, yeah. obviously. How can you not have the two-time MVP number one? It doesn't make any How sense. How many MVPs does CP3 have? Um, I'm going to go with zero. Yeah, he has zero. Oh, no, no, no. I think he has MVP, like, from the volleyball team oh, that he okay, was on yeah. when he was, like, 16. Like, what the, he fuck? Was really good. what the fuck is ESPN talking about, putting CP3 number one? He was Steph, great. Just because... They're mad that Steph Curry went from media darling to kind of a villain. Is that why? Like, that has to be the only reason, right? I will say this. CP3, really good at setting the ball. Really good at setting when people (laughs) try to spike it. CP3, obviously a great player, but Steph Curry, clearly... I would take Steph Curry over him every time. Is it possible they think of CP3 as like a pure point guard and Steph isn't a pure point guard because he's not? Maybe they they had weird metrics for what their thing. They had like leadership was one of their metrics, wow. which is a complete subjective bullshit metric. Yeah, so we're not going to do that bullshit. We're going to talk real basketball here. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, there's no way you take CP3 over Steph. No, no matter one, who, no one in the world. If you're doing a fantasy draft for your NBA team and everybody's free, like available, including contracts, it doesn't matter. You. Even well, though, forget fantasy draft. If you're doing a real draft right now and the, the world's going to end in a year, the world's going to explode in a year and everyone knows it, we have real players and we're going to play real basketball games, everyone takes Steph what first, I meant, right? What I meant was by saying that was a kind of a um, – I spoke poorly. Yes. When I said fantasy draft, I meant the league is blown up – not blown up literally, but like <laughs> – no, The world will blow up. No, no players are on any teams and there is now a draft. Yeah. And you draft players. Like okay. Steph Curry gets drafted ahead of CP3. I mean Steph Curry goes top two, right? Yeah. I mean maybe yeah. number one probably. Nah, probably not. No, probably not. But okay. But that's pretty... That's that's another thing we're going to talk about someday. Another time. Another time. All right. So we're pretty clear on the first three guys. I think this is where we're going to start to diverge, though, as we hit number four. I would be shocked if your number four is the same as my number four. I got Harden. Okay, never mind. I didn't. Yeah. I, I know you were so upset about Harden having to be. I'm. I'm, on exce- this list. I'm upset about including him, but I of course have to put him at four. Okay, I think he's a pretty clear number four. Yeah, if he's actually a point guard, yeah, that guy's like a triple double, double threat every game. That I mean, guy's legit. Last season, he scored 29 points, seven and a half assists, six rebounds, 1.7 steals, shot 44 percent from the field. His assists are only going to go up when he's actually can't play the point. defense for shit, but that's okay. It, I mean, not only can he not play it, he hates it. Yeah, he does. He also kind of hates everybody. You know, he's like not a great teammate. Except for Taco Bell. <laughs> Except he's, for Taco Bell. He's a breakfast defector. He oh. wears a leather jacket and he eats a Taco Bell at eight in the morning. Wow. You just gave Taco Bell a little free ad there. Well, huh? you know what? We got to charge for this stuff, man. I, I mean, they paid me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So James Harden, number four. I'm with you on that. Uh, number five. We're going to agree. I bet we're going to agree. John Wall. Oh, no. Who'd you go with? Lowry. Wow. Yeah, we really don't agree. Okay. Strong disagreement. All right. Well, let's make our cases. All right. I believe Lowry is... <laughs> a really? better point guard. Yeah, I did, that's what? it, I guess. I mean, he, he plays great defense, and he runs that offense really well, and he, all of his advanced stats are incredible. 
That is true. His, his advanced stats are fantastic. However, Lowry's a, quite a bit older. He's 30 years old. We're talking about this year, not the yeah, future, right? I understand. Just this year. I'm saying he's not going to get any better than he was last right, year, for sure. example. John Wall can, still actually has a little room to keep growing. He could improve this year, number one. Number two, Lowry and Wall both average about the same number of points. Lowry averaged 21. Wall had 20. Who's a better defender? Let me finish where I'm All going. Right. I'm saying they score about the same. Wall and Lowry averaged almost the same amount of rebounds. Wall had a third of a rebound more. Steals, Lowry hasn't beat by half a steal a game. They have the same amount of turnovers. But you know what's really different is assists per game, which is kind of the calling card of a point guard. Right, but... Wall had almost 50% more assists per game than Lowry. Lowry only averaged six and a half assists per game. It's kind of shocking to me. Okay, fair enough. Wall averaged 10 assists. How about all of the field goal percentage stuff? Lowry must be ahead in all of that. Lowry shoots from the floor 43%. Really? Wall shoots 42.4%. What do you got? What about Nothing. threes? What about threes? We'd have to look that up. I don't have it here. I can look it up, but it's going to take a second. All right. Um, I'm curious. Lowry probably shoots better from three. I think okay. he had a good year from three. So let's assume it's a little better. But I don't know if he can make up that three and a half assists a game on Wall. And also, Lowry, this was his best year ever by a fair amount. Wall just sort of took a slight incremental step forward, as one would expect at his, at his age. You so, make some reasonable points. I think Wall is, for this coming season, a better guy to have on your team than Lowry. Lowry was fantastic last year, and you're right. Advanced stats love him. But you know what? Advanced stats can fuck off. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't disagree. have any. I don't have any of those in front. I of me. disagree, and so do you. Yeah, we I both do. agree strongly with advanced stats being a good good of metrics. And of course, whether or not some advanced stats come out and are not good metrics, we like the advent of advanced stats. Of course, yes. Fine. Right. All, All right. right. So, so that's our first disagreement. All right. Good. Finally. So number five, you have Lowry. I have John Wall. Yeah. All right. I think we're going to keep disagreeing for a while now. I agree. Now it gets harder and harder. Number right? six, Lillard. Wow. Yeah. I do not have Lillard. Number six. I have the Greek freak number six. All right. Fair now, enough. I admit that that may be a little high. I'm not sure. That's probably high. That's but all potential based. I mean, well, I know he had not. a great. I, I know you're going to use like your 28 game sample size. I understand that. It, do you know how good he was in those 28 games? Pretty good. Let me be clear. He scored 19 points. He had 7.2 assists, 1.4 steals, 2.8 turnovers. 8.6 rebounds. He's 21. He could take a huge step forward. Nothing incremental about what I, this kid could do. I understand. He might be Magic Johnson, too. He right. might be. He might be Magic Johnson right now. Like, there may be no waiting for this. He has the potential to be, like, to rocket into the top 10 for NBA players, not in the point yeah, guards. Yeah, no, you're right. So I'm, so I'm going with some belief about his potentials. To me, he's the guy on this, on this whole list. Who, I guess Harden similarly, but to me, the Greek Freak's the one guy who can take a huge step forward. Everyone else can only make small jumps, and his potential makes me just have to put him here at, what is that, number six? I understand that. I understand that. I think Lillard is... A, five, number five. Lillard is a pretty strong candidate. It's hard to even put him as low as six, but I understand why I have based on everybody I've said before him. But I don't Lil- see how you could put him ahead of any of those people, right. except maybe but, Lowry. Yeah, but... Uh, I, I think Lowry better than Lillard. I like I like Lowry better than Lillard too. But I think Lillard is an incredible offensive talent, and he creates so well for everybody on his team. Mm-hmm. Not only through being so, he's like a Steph Curry type of threat. That's the thing. Lillard, Lillard offensively, yeah, yeah. If anybody in the NBA is an analogy to Steph Curry, it's Damian Lillard. Like they. The guy who pulls up and shoots threes from wherever the hell he wants to and makes them a lot of the time. Do you, I and, mean, one of the things that really sets Steph Curry apart, though, is his penetration and then being able to find people with like laser-like passes. Okay, and Lillard like isn't as good as that. passing out of the penetration, but he is better at finishing off the penetration. Okay. He's an incredible finisher in the lane as well. Steph like, Curry's pretty great, but I hear you. Yeah, Lillard he is, might but be Lillard, Lillard also far more athletic than, than Curry, but that's not really part of this. But like Lillard 
can dunk almost from the free throw line. He's he's an incredible athlete. So he dunks over bigger guys. Yeah, he, he can also change his shot in midair. Going kind of, he's like not quite Westbrook as far as that level, and he's not quite Curry as far as the Curry level. But he's somewhere in between on both. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear you. Um, offensively, uh, like if if it weren't for defense, little, that, little, if, if it wasn't for half the game, he'd be no, great. But, no, but hear me out. Yeah, okay. Seriously though, and and tell me if you disagree. If it weren't for defense, Lillard might be number three on the list. Um, he would at least have a reasonable argument for that. I don't think yeah. he'd be number three. It's hard to get past James Harden. James Harden's unbelievable that's, numbers. That's fair, but Lillard is. Uh, I'd move him past John Wall. How about that? Yeah, Lillard is not a great defender. That's for sure. But I mean, that's really being kind yeah. when you say it that but way. But on offense, he is quite incredible, spectacular. Yeah, yeah he's I mean, amazing. Yeah. yeah, he's a legit franchise player yeah. for the Portland Trailblazers. All right, let's continue along this list now. Next up, I actually have Lowry next, and, and then I got Wall next. Yeah, and then after that, I have Lillard. Okay, I got Giannis at eight. Okay, so we've so we have the same top eight yeah. actually. So this is gonna be interesting to see who nine and ten are. I feel really much less confident about nine. Oh, and 10. me too. To me, I guess is what we have the same top yeah, eight. I mean, so there's a clear I feel top like, eight. I feel like nine and ten are two guys that uh, that twenty games into next year, I'm gonna be like, uh, no, not those guys. I should have picked this guy instead. Yeah, I actually, I think. And I'm after gonna, this, we should talk about the other guys we might have been considering. I think I'm actually gonna kick one of my two guys off and replace him with someone else. That's how. Ungood, I feel about really? this list. Yeah, this number nine. I have Isaiah Thomas. I have Kemba Walker. I feel Ooh, good about Kemba. I don't like Kemba. Well, you don't like Kemba? Why not? Because his field goal percentage. That's most of it. His field goal percentage is better than Damian Lillard's. No way. Lillard shot forty-two percent from the field last year. Kemba shot forty-three percent. Okay, fine. By the way, Lowry shot forty-three percent. John Wall shot forty-two and a half. Mike Conley shot forty-two. All right, so and Kemba, half. I'm, maybe I'm thinking about a previous year because it, he used to shoot like thirty-seven. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking about. No, last year he took a major step forward. He averaged twenty-one points, five and a half, five point two assists, four point four rebounds. I mean, this is why he's not in the top eight. The assists are not one point six steals, and was really the franchise player for a Charlotte team that everyone thought was going to be terrible, and instead was won forty-eight well, games when he was drafted. The Kemba was considered a franchise player. No, he went like ninth overall. He wasn't not franchise. He was well, just considered to be like probably a pretty good guy yeah okay like whole like probably a starter all right i see your argument you but you put him over isaiah i put him over isaiah i do i actually this and then 10th is was my biggest toughest thing and this is where i'm kicking off a guy and i'm i decided to put isaiah in instead of this guy okay so i'm gonna name the guy that you yeah kicked off i think Conley. yeah that's my guy yeah i conley's numbers are just not impressive you know like shockingly not impressive for the highest paid player in the nba Especially, right? Conley averaged 15 points, six assists, three rebounds, 1.2 steals on 42% shooting. Like, what are we talking about here? Right. No, I understand that. that. It's uh, okay. So, this is the opposite of advanced stats, what I'm about to talk about. But we've talked about this before on Drunk Sports. I think maybe on the first Drunk Sports ever, maybe the second one. But I remember reading a Grantland article back when Grantland existed, which was great because it was a great website. Yeah. Um, But where it was Bill Simmons' top, top 100. NBA players by trade value, which basically means his top 100 players. Wonderful, um, wonderful list. Yeah, I loved it. Uh, so one of the things with Mike Conley, Mike Conley had a long paragraph about him, and part of it was he had this clock in his head. He knew when all of the important offensive players on his team, how many possessions it had been since they touched the ball. Yeah. And, and he always knows that. And he knows how to make sure those guys get the ball when they need it so they keep trying on defense and keep – like it. It it's a – Interesting and tangible that I hadn't thought about. You know? I mean, ESPN was trying to rank leadership. That sounds like a leadership thing right yeah, there. Yeah, it does. I, Chemistry, and, leadership, all right, that stuff. But that's something that you can actually point to as uh, not a metric, but 
something that Conley was actually doing that maybe you can attribute to leadership, whereas yeah. ESPN is just bullshitting the leadership numbers. No, I completely agree with everything you're saying yeah. in terms of. So I think this is a lot more concrete than that. Yeah. And so that. I mean, that's kind of stuck with me, and that's maybe why he got on this list. Mm-hmm. Another guy I was considering is a guy who was injured for most of last year, uh, but Eric Bledsoe. I think that guy has got incredible talent. I mean, if Bledsoe had been healthy the last two years or so, he might be a no-brainer top eight guy or top nine guy. There'd be nine obvious candidates instead yeah. of eight because when he, he's, he's a right— great, He's a good defender, first of all, which also, is yeah, sorry, go amazing, ahead. and yeah, he's tough to stop. Yeah, I mean, he's one of those guys who does everything, too. You know, he's going to get the rebounds, the assists. Even though he's super short, he gets yeah. rebounds anyway. He's going to score without issues. He's, he's going to be able to hit threes. He's kind of built like a small LeBron James. Yeah, he's a little, like little, a little spark strong plug. guy, yeah. A little fire hydrant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Distributing quick fire hydrant type dude. But, yeah, I mean, Bledsoe's an interesting guy. If he, if he hadn't burned hurt, he'd probably have a real shot at this list. Because Kemba Walker, my number nine guy, is good, but super borderline for sure. And I could you could make a reasonable case for a lot of guys to be right. nine like, and ten. For example, if... If uh, God, I forgot his name. Just if Bledsoe had had been in the league for the past two years, playing eighty two games like Kemba had, Bledsoe was probably ahead of Kemba, right? Yeah, I would think so. Also, by the way, if Goran Dragic was not on the Heat the last year yeah. and a half, where like Wade and Le- and uh, Bosh and there were lots of mouths to feed in ways that maybe didn't work for yeah. him. Yeah, like when he was in Phoenix, he would have clearly made our list, our top ten list. So he's now it's his team again. It's possible he's going to be dominant. How about Tony Parker, by the way? Yeah, Tony Parker, like Hall of Famer, and you can make a case the intangibles alone that he brings to the table. Plus, obviously, still some ability might make him in the top. Some 10. of the most incredible passes I've ever seen have been Tony Parker passes, where you where they have like the ca- the camera from above. The the key where you can see like everybody where they are yeah and tony parker somehow remembers where a guy is and just whips it perfectly with this incredible physical skill like tony parker is such a good point guard yeah yeah he's just a little too long in the tooth and can't do as much as he used to be able to do and there's so much ability out there right now like like the fact that isaiah thomas is my number 10 and your number nine he made the all-star team last year is telling although i would argue and this is not my point originally. I've heard this on the Dunked On podcast. Nate Duncan and Danny LaRue talked about this. How um, in some ways Isaiah Thomas, and this hurts me a little bit as a Celtics fan to say this, but he was a fake all-star last year. Like He was an all-star because there was a lot of injuries, and so there was an extra spot. And there were a bunch of guys they could have taken, including Kemba Walker, by the way. And Isaiah got picked, but he didn't have to. Like, right. And it was really easy for about, him not to be and picked. And if we're talking about defense, like we talked about with Damian yeah. Lillard, like Isaiah is worse than Lillard on defense because there's nothing he can do. I disagree with that, but he is not very good on defense i'll <laughs> okay. give you that and he's super short which hurts him too yeah but like isaiah thomas unlikely to ever make another all-star game i guess if the celtics win 53 games this year which they really could maybe he's the, maybe they get horford and isaiah but they may also bring horford and jay crowder and just leave isaiah out there's so many good point guards how can you bring isaiah like yeah. giannis is gonna have to make the all-star team this but year But he might not be listed as a point guard as he's far a as point the, guard but what the nba is going to do is not list him he's as a point six guard. feet tall and he he brings the ball up every six time feet tall yeah. giannis no. Oh, you're saying I thought we were talking about Isaiah. No, Giannis. Giannis is going to be listed as a point guard too. He's a starting. Are you sure? Yes. No. Of course I'm. I haven't talked to the NBA <laughs> All Star Committee about this. No, Isaiah gonna... Thomas is not six feet tall, by the way. He's five foot seven. Just let it be. Let me pretend he's six wow. feet. Wow. 
He's five foot seven. He's super short. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just pretend he's tall in my yeah. dreams because <laughs> I'm a Celtics fan. In your dreams, huh? Yeah, I dream about Isaiah being taller. Okay. That's, that's pretty much it. Cool. <laughs> Good talk. Good and talk. I'm really short. I'm super short the whole time. I'm like, <laughs> You're like, look at this giant. <laughs> <laughs> but he still can't dunk. Okay. So uh, why don't we take a break there? We'll come back. We're going to do some more NBA talk, continuing the NBA preview. And then after that, a little LTDFI. Before Grant cracks open beer number six, just want to remind everybody. Uh, he's about to do it now anyway. Can't, can't stop that guy. Can't stop me. Can't stop the drunk. Uh, I want to remind everyone, if you have suggestions for Let the Drunk Fix It, if you have suggestions for any other section of the show or anything we're doing about the show, just got to tweet at us. You know, something we should have mentioned earlier that I also want to remind people of yeah. is we're not going to have a Drunk Sports next week. Oh, my gosh. We're not. It's the third presidential debate, and we're just not going to do it. It's on Tuesday, not Wednesday? That's right. Yeah, you're right. We can't do it. Sorry, everybody. But, you know, got to let the drunk Programming note. (laughs) LTDNFI. But so, yeah, you can tweet at us any of your suggestions. We are at Drunk Sports Show. That's at Drunk Sports Show. So send on your suggestions. Tell us how you're doing with the drinking game or any other pieces of the show you want improved, different, or just that we're doing a great job. Or just suggest something for yeah. LTDFI. A little pat on the back. Though. Yeah. That's okay, too. All right. Let's get into some more NBA stuff, shall Please. we? Please. All right. So, Grant, there's been a lot of NBA stars who've been rumored to be on the block over the last several months. Right. Blake Griffin, Boogie Cousins. Those are really the two big ones, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but both those have seemed to gone by the wayside, at least for now. I think Boogie Cousins is always in play and will be He's in play again. He's always in play, yeah. Um, I don't know that Blake Griffin will be. But another name has really cropped up as you, if you read about the NBA or listen to the pundits speak and things like that. And it's Anthony Davis. Right, which is ridiculous. Well, let's talk about this. Okay. Why is it ridiculous? Because this is a guy, this is like a, a once every five years type guy, maybe? Yeah, or, something like that. Yeah. I mean, him and Carl Anthony Towns are the two best players to come into the league the last five years, probably, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's hard to give that guy up. He's a franchise player. Yes, absolutely. So, but let's talk about why people think they might be trading him and what they might be able to get for him and see if it makes any sense. How about All that? Right, part of why they might be trading him is, and I read a little bit about this, is because the Pelicans didn't make... Many offseason moves. No, they did not. They did not do anything really to make it so Anthony Davis could win his titles. You know, no, not even he's going to have another losing record this year. Right, almost. And certainly. so he might be getting a little frustrated. He knows no matter who he plays for, he's getting a max contract. Yeah, he's going to be a star. He doesn't have to play for the Pelicans. They just drafted him. Now they do have him on a deal, which is going to last at least three more years. So that's pretty good. At the same point, if he's unhappy and is going to bail in three years, you probably get more for him now than at any other point in the future. You can get a lot of draft picks for that guy. You, I mean, what would let's let's just pick. Some, there's a few teams that have a lot of trade assets. The Philadelphia 76ers, the Boston Celtics, come to mind right away. Well, the, the article I read was was talking about who the Boston Celtics might be trying to get. Oh, okay, and that includes Anthony Davis for sure. Who's the longest shot of the people, by the way, to get? Um, right now, yes, yes, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but the Celtics could trade. Trade a ton of their Brooklyn picks. Well, they've got two Brooklyn picks coming up. A right? ton they, of them. The 2017 pick and the 2018 pick. Right. The 2017 pick is almost certainly going to be top five, and it's considered the deepest, best, top-heavy draft class maybe of all time, certainly of the last the Celtics since, would, since LeBron The Celtics would gladly trade both those picks and Avery Bradley for Anthony Davis. I agree. Yes. In a heartbeat, yes. they would make that deal. They could probably, they'd probably give up Jalen Brown, too, as the number three overall pick this yeah. year as well. Easily. Like, take that guy. You know what? You want Kelly Olenek? I love Kelly Olenek. Take him, too. There's not a whole lot that Celtics wouldn't give up as long as it doesn't completely break the thing they've already built. 
But that wouldn't be enough to break what they've built. They've got a lot of nice reserves and young reserves. Yeah. Anthony Davis would make that team. I don't know. They'd be a legit contender. They at got least. Davis and Horford as their front court. And then Isaiah, Jay Crowder, and they have a whole bunch of possible guys to play the two. Yeah. Whole bunch of young guys. It'd be fine, right? I mean, no yeah. problem. Right. You just work with that. Yeah. So and the Celtics would definitely do that. The Pelicans probably wouldn't. But that's the kind of package that would probably be offered to them, right? Effectively, three top five picks and a few young players who are at least pretty good. Right. It's hard to imagine anybody trading somebody as good as Anthony Davis. No one kind of ever does it. So that's the thing. So maybe it's just wishful thinking by these writers or it's fun to write about. But you can see the leverage that Anthony Davis really has. He's already made his money. He's super rich. He's going to be richer. It's not an issue. He's got an amazing eyebrow. He does. One. One single eyebrow, for sure. How old is he at this point? He's like 24? 23 or 24, somewhere in there. I mean, he's got 10 really, really good years left. Yeah. And it wouldn't be crazy if two years from now he's the best player in the league. It would not be crazy. It's unlikely. There's a lot of guys you could say that about. He's one of them, though. I mean, how many guys, really? There's like eight guys. Ten, something like that. He's one of the guys. And he's young enough that he could be... I mean, four years from now, he could be way the best player in the league. Like, that's totally yeah, reasonable. Absolutely. He, he, he may be. not be. Carl Anthony Towns may be the best player in the league four years from now or somebody else. But it could – I mean, he's got to be one of the top two guys. Right? Yeah. So that's pretty incredible. Yeah. And he's already one of the best players in the league right now, right? He's probably a top 15 player right now, and he had an injury-addled season last year, right? Yes, he's an incredible player. Right. So I would think the Celtics or, or the 76ers would have to just throw whatever they All right. Let's talk about – we talk about what the Celtics would give him. 76ers would give him, what, two first-round draft picks – Embiid, uh, Keep Noel, going. Noel uh, <laughs> what else? Okay, I mean Noel isn't isn't really that valuable. Noel's going to yeah. be a free agent in a year and get a twenty million. We give him Ben Simmons deal. and two first round draft picks. I mean Ben Simmons gets makes the conversation pretty interesting. How about Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, and their number one in this coming draft, which is going to be probably a top ten pick? How about that? You got to do it. If you're if you're who. The Sixers. Okay. That's yeah. a huge amount to give up. That's probably more than the Celtics are giving up, even in what we're talking I about. I agree. However, I think that would be a less loved deal by Anthony Davis. Because if Anthony Davis right. goes to the Celtics, he actually has a chance to, to be on a good team. Goes to the Sixers, and they give up some of their best players. Like, that team's shit. It's, it's that's terrible. What, yeah. yeah. So, so the Sixers deal will never happen because of that. You're right. Because the whole point is he's trying to get on a good team. He goes to a worse team that's been terrible. And he's just going to walk away in a few years. But if he goes to the Celtics, they're going to be – I mean, if he goes to the Celtics on the deal we were talking about, they threaten Cleveland. Like, they legitimately yeah. might be the best team in the East. Right. They do right. threaten Cleveland. Just like yeah. that. And right now they're, they're a threat to be the second best team in the, in the East. But there's a huge gulf between Toronto – and the Celtics and the Cavs. Like Toronto and Celtics right. are on tier two. The Cavs are way ahead on tier one. The Celtics are, by the way, just constantly looking for a superstar. Right. And I know this this is probably gonna delight you, but we should talk about the Celtics a little bit because yeah, okay. they're a very interesting team right now. And what they have in in abundance is trade assets. Yes. They love having all these trade assets and they have a great coach. So there's those two things they have going for them. So Anthony Davis is kind of a long shot, but that's a guy the Celtics would go for. Yeah, there's ob- there's two other really obvious players the Celtics want to get, and they, in order, it's Demarcus Cousins and Jimmy Butler. They would love either one of those yeah. guys. That's true. But the Celtics have been trying to get kind of anybody like that because Horford's not good enough, right? Like Horford's good, but they want a guy who's a 
a number one player on the team, like legit, like really good. I mean, you add Boogie Cousins and you give up a first, let's say you give up the 2018 Nets pick in Jalen Brown, which is a possible deal. I don't know if that's enough, but it's something like that, right? So you're not giving up any part of the core right now that's good. You add Boogie Cousins to the current Celtics team, and they also threaten Cleveland and yeah. might be the best team in the East. Boogie Cousins is the best center in the league, right? right? I mean, so what do they give up for Jimmy Butler? I mean, they were offering, I think, the number three pick in Avery Bradley, and that wasn't that's, enough. That's not enough, honestly. I mean, the number three pick was Jalen Brown. So, um, But it would be something like that. Maybe Jalen Brown, Avery Bradley, and another piece, but not like a, a huge piece, like a reasonable piece. So maybe that's another draft pick. Yeah. Like a first, another first-round pick, but not one of the Nets picks kind of a thing. Maybe. So maybe but I don't maybe know. it's two first-round picks. I don't picks think the Bulls like would do that. Jimmy Butler is really good. Well, here's the thing. The Bulls only do that if it's midseason. They're 10-30. and 30. Everything's falling apart, and Jimmy Butler is not saying like get rid of the get rid of Rondo and Wade. I want this to be my team. He's saying get me the hell out of Chicago. Yeah, I hate Hoiberg. I hate the way this so team guess, is run. So, like, so the Celtics were looking to capitalize on a situation. Then. I mean, that's the whole Boogie Cousins thing too, yeah. right? That's why the Kings keep drafting centers in the first round for unknown reasons. The only possible reason should be that they're going to trade Boogie Cousins at some point. So if they do, the Celtics are ready to pounce and probably can make the best offer. That he will be happy to go to, where he'd actually be happy to go to the team and play there. Also, and like you said, Brad Stevens is a guy who players seem to absolutely delight in playing for, unlike all the Kings coaches, for example. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's possible Boogie Cousins would really find happiness in Boston, which is something he really hasn't found so far in his career. I would love to see a romantic comedy about him finding happiness <laughs> in Boston. Yeah. That would be. That would be, how about Kelly Olynyk and Boogie Cousins, like opposite, sharing the same apartment? You know? Opposite Amy Adams, you know. Oh, that'd be incredible. I mean, it's just so heart. heart. She's such a wonderful actress. I mean, it, I just feel. Did you see her in Man of Steel? She embodied Lois Lane. I hated that movie. Of course you did, because <laughs> I'm a normal human. That movie yeah. was okay, but anyway, let's Whatever. not talk about that. Yeah, the beginning, the first thirty minutes were okay. Yeah, yeah. on Krypton, the Krypton stuff was awesome. Yeah, that was great. Russell Crowe was great. Everything right? else terrible. <laughs> <laughs> But back to the NBA <laughs> yeah. for a second. So, yeah, so the Celtics are an interesting team. Anthony Davis is is the true dream. Like, Boogie Cousins is the dream. But Anthony Davis, he's locked up for more years. He's got, obviously, more potential than almost oh, anyone. Oh, you'd rather league. have Anthony Davis than Boogie Cousins. Yeah, you give up more for him, and you'd rather have yeah. him. That, and that's Boogie bad. Cousins is a huge asset, but Anthony Davis is is incredible. Right. Like, Boogie Cousins can be the best center in the league. Anthony Davis can be the best player in the league. Right. There's a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on. All Anything right. else to say about Anthony Davis and possibly trading him? Seems uh, unlikely no. they're really going to do it, right? No, it seems like it's not going to happen, but I love when when shit gets sh- shooken up, so I would I would like to see it happen. It would be super exciting. Yeah. It seems like, though, if you're the Pelicans, the whole point is you keep the young player who's who's potentially a franchise player who's tied up for a few years. The thing is, rather than trade him for I want to see guys. some of these things happen. I want to see Boogie or Anthony Davis or somebody like that end up on a team that has real potential. Yeah. Because I love the like the 2015-2016 NBA season was my favorite NBA season of my lifetime. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. But I'm worried about this upcoming NBA season because of how good the Warriors are going to be. Me too. Like we need somebody like Anthony Davis or Boogie Cousins to get traded to a good team. Yeah. For it to be fun, right? Yeah. I mean, we still have. At thank goodness we have LeBron at least. Like <laughs> we have LeBron and the Cavs who somehow pull whatever they want to out of their asses when they do. It was amazing. And I still wouldn't discount the Cavs winning the next finals. I think they could still pull it out somehow. It's going to be a lot harder now, but LeBron is just that special. I mean, they barely won this finals, in fairness, but but if anyone's going to do it, they're the only real right. candidate. But, but I would right? like there to be another team that can do it. I agree. And 
And it's putting Boogie Cousins or Anthony Davis on a good team is one way to do that. I mean, you need one of those guys to get traded to the Spurs, but the Spurs don't have the assets to right. give up to get one of those guys. That's Celtics, may, if, if, Celtics every, if everybody on the Celtics reaches their potential this year, yeah, then you then you got it. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's, uh, let's move on. You're talking about LeBron James, and that's great because Dwayne Wade of the Chicago Bulls now. And somehow, somehow of the Chicago Bulls. Now. Somehow, hold on. Yeah, go ahead. Somehow of the Chicago Bulls. <laughs> Forty-seven million over two years. I understand he has a great legacy. He doesn't fit on that team. It's a terrible signing. It's the worst thing that happened in the free agency period, as far as as a team. Like I, can you name a worse move by a team? Uh, maybe it's hard to think. I mean, I thought the uh, the Sacramento Kings drafting Georgie Papagianis as center number five, not even in the close. first round, was a pretty not big disaster. even close. They're forty seven million on Dwayne Wade when you have Jimmy Butler and Rajon Rondo. About, wait, wait. How about um Timothy Mozgov four years sixty two million dollars, sixty four million dollars for the Lakers? That was pretty ridiculous. I think Vincent Bazili went for half that, based on way less than half that. Uh, well, two, seven two years, thirteen million for Festus. Oh, it was only thirteen. Yeah, for two years. Wow, I thought it was more. Okay. Uh, but but based on roster construction, the Dwayne Wade oh, move horrible. is awful. I mean, no, it's in the top three without yeah. question. No matter who we are, no matter where yeah. we are. All right, but let's get into what Dwayne Wade said. He said, "quote It's not possible unquote to suppress Michael Jordan's legacy, even for LeBron James. The only thing you can do is tie it." He says. Now, let me ask you this: He used to play with LeBron, LeBron James. He's from Chicago. Wade is, and he's currently playing for Chicago in Chicago. Is this just a political thing he's saying, or does he? Ooh, is this possible to be? I didn't real? know you were going to go this way with this. That's yeah. uh, no. I think he. I think he might believe that because there was a quote from him back. I don't know, six years ago or something, where he said something similar. He oh, yeah. said he he had some sort of. And I read an article about this. He had some sort of golf analogy, which I am not a golf player, but it, <laughs> he he when asked to compare LeBron to the greats of all time. He said, okay, so the greatest of all time is Michael Jordan. That was Dwayne Wade's position. Yeah. And then he said, and it's like Michael Jordan has played 18 holes and LeBron's on the fourth hole. Okay. And he's he's got a shot, but he's got to do the next the next holes and to to make sure that he cements that, mm-hmm. you know. So Dwayne Wade has always had this position. Right. Even before this. So I don't think it's political. Okay. All right, it's possible. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people in Chicago would agree with this. You're from Chicago. Yes, I am. Do you agree with this? I don't. I I think I think it's crazy to say that it's impossible to do something for a player as good as LeBron James. I, mm. I know he's getting older now, but he's only thirty one or something, yeah. right? Like yeah. I mean he's played so many minutes, so that adds some age to him, perhaps. Michael Jordan had an incredible career. Just plain incredible I mean amazing. So hard to even describe. Uh LeBron's numbers aren't that much worse than Michael Jordan's. It, it they might even be better. Let me let me Tell you Please. the career numbers. Let's, all right, let's hear them. So career numbers here for Michael Jordan. Oh crap! I lost the I lost the list. This is my fault. Well, it's fine. I got things to say while you. Uh, Please say things. You, I'll find the while list. You talk. Okay, so Jordan, of course, won six titles and he was six and zero oh in the finals. But he was blessed with the kind of talent that LeBron just has not been, in my opinion, anyway, surrounded with. Okay, disagree. I, oh, uh, surrounded with. Yeah. Oh, I think LeBron is a more talented person than than Michael Jordan. I don't know why you would say that. That's a, that's a separate argument. I think they're very close, and who can say? But let's right. get into the career numbers. All right, career stats for Michael Jordan, and this includes his Wizards years. So let's let's keep that in mind. So this is really impressive. He only played two years for the Wizards. Yeah, right? but that it drags it down a bit. Sure. Thirty point one points per game, over thirty points per game. How many years did he play? To like 15? 14, 15, wow, something like that's that. That's incredible. Six point two rebounds, mm-hmm. five point three assists, fifty percent field goal, 
33% from three. Yeah. Wasn't as important. That was back different. Then. It was different back then. 84% from free throw. This is the craziest number. This is the number I didn't anticipate. 2.3 steals per game for his career. Wow. That's insane. That is absolutely incredible. And 0.5 blocks, but 2.3 steals per game for his career. Back when uh, Michael Jordan was in his prime, they did a, uh, a survey of NBA players and they said, Who is the NBA player you least want to be defending? And the answer was Michael Jordan. All the players, you know, he won that. And then the other, second question was, who's the player you least want defending you? And Michael Jordan won that as well. That's he won both sides Pretty of fucking impressive. Yeah. I mean, when we talk about, like, Damian Lillard and things like that, where, oh, he's great at offense, but, you know, he's terrible on yeah. defense. Jordan was the best on both sides of the ball. Yeah. So sick. It's crazy. All right. Yeah. So let's talk about LeBron's career stats. Cool. And he still has a, lot, a long way to go. Yeah, yeah. He could play five, six more years. Yeah. Easy. Okay. So 27.2 points per game. Yep. 7.2 rebounds per game. Awesome. 6.9 assists per game. As a forward. Incredible. Yeah. 50% field goal, 34% three-point, 74% free throw, 1.7 steals per game. Not as good as Michael Jordan, but, but still. still incredible. And 0.8 blocks per game. Yeah. And also, I guess Michael Jordan was quite clutch, but LeBron also... LeBron has obviously been clutch. Super clutchy lately, LeBron has been. Remember that yeah. block? Remember that block? Yeah. So, I know you do. So Jordan's, of course, the block. <laughs> the so, block. So Jordan scored more points per game, but LeBron makes up for that with rebounds and assists. Also, I'd like to point out in the finals, when LeBron essentially had no teammates the last two years, I guess this year he had some teammates, but like in 2015, he had zero teammates and scored... Oh my gosh, it's unbelievable. 36 points a game, had 9 assists, and 13.3 rebounds in 2015 in the finals against the best defensive team we had seen in a while, the That's Warriors. That's insanity. Absolutely insane. And then last year, let's not forget last year, he was pretty good last year too in the oh, finals. Yeah, he, he led all statistical categories. Yeah, for the Cavs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he averaged almost 30 points a game, 11.3 rebounds, 9 assists, 2.3 blocks, 2.6 steals. By the way, they were down 3-1 to one to the freaking Warriors. The, the most wins in the regular season of all time came back to win and, as you said, had the block at the end of Game 7 to cement the game. Oh, my God. Yeah, LeBron... I, I would say that LeBron certainly has not surpassed Jordan yet. But no. Th- those, the resume he has now, if he is able to somehow maintain his physical ability for the next four or five years. It's a lot. He's got a shot. It's asking a lot. Almost it's, no one can do that. He's asking, a lo- obviously. I mean, we're talking about the best ever, yeah. right? Like, it's asking a lot, but I think it's crazy to say he can't do it. I mean, LeBron could very reasonably go to the next three finals. I don't know if he'd win them or not. Maybe he wins one of them. But put up numbers like this. Let's say he does that for three more years. It's possible. He's like, a, I mean, how he, can we say he's he certainly has a shot to be better than Michael Jordan, right? Like, legitimately, he might be better. If he wins two finals of the next three, I don't think he's going to. But let's say it happens. If it ha- he wins two I didn't of the he, next three, then he is better than Michael. And he Jordan. puts up numbers like this. Yeah, he's the best player of all time, right? Yep, I agree. So, I mean, Kevin Durant deciding to go to the Warriors maybe makes it really blocks that path in a way it otherwise wouldn't be blocked. It would still be super hard, but it's much harder now. Yeah. Right? Because Durant's a top three player in the league. He's the other great player. As a Bulls fan, I love that Michael Jordan is usually considered the best player of all time. Yeah. And I tend to agree with that. And he certainly still is in my mind. But LeBron has a legit chance to beat that. He really does. And I think it's crazy to say otherwise, to say that he can't. Yeah. I think one of the things that makes Michael a little bit easier to say is so great is the things that Michael Jordan would do were often a little showier than Le- LeBron has oh, Michael done. Michael Jordan was so clutch. There was the flu game, shit oh, like yeah. that, you know. But also, like, he had these incredible dunks, like, and LeBron's dunks are power dunks. Jordan's dunks are much more finesse and beautiful, right? Um being a shooting guard, I think, also means you just, you know, you end up driving to the hoop in more pretty ways. Not really that it was a shooting guard. 
Number seven? Yeah. Number seven. Right. So that's uh should be on beer number four if you're bronze medal level. Everyone else, number seven. Uh, as opposed to LeBron, who drives to the hoop highly effectively, but just ends up taking a lot of layups. Just doesn't look as impressive. I think right. that's part of it. Although the blocks he makes are just always jaw Also, Jordan's fadeaway was incredible. Yes. That was such a beautiful thing. Right. It feels like LeBron basically either drives or takes sort of a mediocre outside shot. For the right. LeBron part. is like what... You would build in a video game if you were building your ideal NBA player. Right. Michael Jordan is like art. Like the yeah. way he played offense, especially, is like art. But you also, know? was it was I mean, LeBron is a great defensive player. Yeah. And I still remember when they were playing the Bulls and Derrick Rose was at his peak, his MVP year. And Derrick Rose, at the end of one of the playoff games, was going one-on-one to try and win the game because the Cavs were up by one. Right. And LeBron just deed him up one-on-one, and, and D. Rose could not get by him. And it right. was like multiple possessions like that, and the Cavs just won because Derrick Rose could do nothing at the end of the game. And it was amazing to watch LeBron, when he wanted to, be able to shut down, at that point, the best penetrator in the league. Still insane to me, though. Even with the Wizards years, Jordan had 2.3 steals per game and for 30, his career. And 30 points. Yeah. That's shocking to me, actually. That's insane. I mean, he scored a lot of points. I think he scored over 20 points both Wizards years, in fairness. Right. But still, I mean, he was like, how old was he? Was he 39? He was a shitty version of Michael Jordan, but yeah. he was still an all-star. Yeah. He was, <laughs> yeah. No, it may have been sort of a friendly all-star thing, because how can they have an all-star game without him kind of a deal. But... He was also very good. He was still he was still the best player on the yeah. Wizards, that's for sure. Oh, absolutely. Him and Rip Hamilton, anyway. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I guess we're done here, right? Yeah, we're going to come back with a little LTDFI. That's for sure. It's time for Let the Drunk Fix It. That's where Grant Dennison, drunker than ever, tries to solve sports dilemmas that I posed to him. That's number eight? Eight. And that, that's hyperbole, drunker than ever. I just I mean, mean, you've right. seen me way drunker than I would ever be on drunk sports. That's true. I've seen you so <laughs> drunk, you don't know what people are saying to you. Yes. That is true. Yeah. Okay, so fair enough. But drunker than ever, at least for this particular show. This is the drunkest you've been on the show, correct? On this episode of yes. Drunk Sports, right. yes. <laughs> now, yes. You've, you've <laughs> drunk up to 11 beers actually numerous times. This is only beer number eight. Yeah. Right? And, of course, that means for uh, your bronze medal people that you're just on beer number four. You're finished. I mean, it you're doesn't good. even matter. You, can, you, you should drive. You're on cruise control <laughs> I'm over kidding. here. Don't drive. Take, Don't take drive. care of a baby. I'm it's kidding. fine. Don't drive. All right. So this is, of course, yeah, where we post sports dilemmas to Grant. Sometimes these are suggested by our listeners. You can, of course, tweet them at us, at Drunk Sports Show. That would be great. Otherwise, I have to come up with myself, and I don't like to. No, Jonathan is lazy. Oh, so lazy. I am also lazy. Yes. Grant, Everybody's lazy. Grant does know what's going on and what the agenda is for the whole show, except for Let the Drunk Fix It. He never knows what is going to be posted. I have no idea what's going to happen right now. So that's kind of fun, too. Yeah. All right. First up, Grant, here's your first issue or problem to solve. Okay. Five weeks into the NFL season, ratings are down significantly for the NFL. They are down, as a, as a group, over all channels, 11%, which is kind wow. of a shockingly high number. Some people have argued that the election is drawing more eyeballs than it might normally. And, in fact, at other election years, every four years, NFL ratings do go down slightly, but never anything like this. It's really – this is much higher than normal. Well, this is an election, an election unlike any other, That right? is true. So – but also, there's more viewing options than there ever have been before. The NFL has probably made itself a little less likable than it's, than it's been in a That's while in true. a lot of different ways, right? With the Ray Rice thing as one of many examples. Roger Goodell is not very much liked either. Um, so here we go. Big problem number one. Fix the NFL's ratings problem. Okay. So 
most of the ratings, not most of them, but a lot of them come on Sunday and Monday night, right? That's, Everything but all, except on Thursday. Oh, you're saying Monday night, right? Yeah, sure. Like Monday night, Sunday night, those are both huge ratings draws. Yes. For the NFL. Yeah, like Sunday Sunday night football is typically the number one show of the week. So let's get to the heart of the matter before we try to solve it. Okay. okay. So I think probably the problem is that all of this concussion stuff is really becoming Something that is known in society is not just kind of thought of by a few people anymore. Mm-hmm. Everybody is now aware that playing in the NFL, not everybody, but most people, more people than used to be, are now aware that playing in the NFL is deadly. Yeah. Like you're going to die earlier. And, right? and you're going to have a really bad quality of life generally right. for your last 20, 30 years, however long you make it once you retire. Right. So I, okay, easy fix. All right. If, if, okay. okay. This is with, with the, the idea that this is the problem, right? So under the umbrella that the problem is that more and more people are aware of how bad the NFL truly is for the players, right? And let, let's let's be clear about how bad it is. It's okay. like so bad. Like Jim, oh, that, Now we're clear. <laughs> Jim McMahon, for example, yeah. the quarterback of the 85 Bears who won the Super Bowl, he has to wear sunglasses anywhere he goes because of concussions be- Otherwise, the light hurts his head. Yeah. He's 52, 53 years old, something like that. Okay. Like, it's bad. And people are dying. Tony Dorsett. There's people like that. You know, it's bad, right? Okay. It's bad. Yeah. So that is becoming more well-known, right? I got to ask you a question, though. Yeah. Do you really think it's this, that people think the concussions are bad and the player's safety is at risk, that NFL ratings are down yes. 11%? Yes, I do. What's different this year than last year? I what do we know? What do we know more now? I think it's just enough time has passed, or enough enough has come out about the concussions that finally it's just something in society has broken. I don't exactly. I mean, this is a very hard thing to distinguish. Sure, but something in society has broken where people are now realizing it. Let or, me ask you this: You know about that, and you've known about this for a while. You're an intelligent guy. Would you say your viewing the NFL has gone down at all? No, I'm watching it plenty. <laughs> me I'm too. Wa- by the way, me too. But we. Make a podcast about sports. Yes. So we are maybe some of the people who are least likely to turn off sports until we're really, really, really <laughs> offended, right? Okay, there may be something We're making a podcast about sports right now. Okay. So I I don't – I got to tell you, I don't think 10% of viewership is not watching the NFL this year from last year that it's down just, just because the concussion story is like seeped into the public consciousness. That's I just don't buy it. I think it's part of it. It may be, it may be some all right, part so, of it. Okay, all right. So give me your, your take on this. Why Why is that? Uh, well, there's more things competing for the eyeballs and attention of people than ever before. TV is better than it's ever been before. Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime exist. And is that so different than last year? Same question you asked me. Um, I would argue that no, <laughs> but but like both Amazon and Netflix, for example, have got more original shows than they've ever had before. So it's more stuff that we've never had an opportunity to see. If you weren't super into football, maybe you decide to watch Luke Cage instead. I don't know. That's I'm ridiculous. pushing it. It's but ridiculous. I think your point is ridiculous too. I think my point is better than your point. They're both bad. They're I think that there, there's some some form of this whole idea that the NFL is a, a bad thing for the people who play it seeping into culture. And yeah. maybe this is just some sort of breaking point of that. I think there's also, look, I'm a Patriots fan, so I obviously have very strong feelings about Roger Goodell and Deflategate. Now, we don't have to get into that right now. Let's not. But there, but like the way Goodell pursued Brady and the amount of time and energy, the NFL actually spent $23 million dollars. Um, litigating Deflategate, and they gave the Patriots a one million dollar fine. So it caught. It ended up costing each NFL team three hundred forty nine thousand dollars, right? Sure. To do this, 
Um, when anyway, like I don't know that any of the teams are really happy about that ultimately, right? But like, not only did it cost them financially, I really think there's a public relationship that Goodell has has. It's really hurt the NFL over the last several years. Coming back to Ray Rice, and he originally got a two game suspension. Then he had, I believe, a six game suspension. Ten game. What? Then he got a ten game suspension. Well, right? I think it went to six, and then immediately it was banned for the rest of the year because six wasn't enough for the public and. Goodell like read the signs and just changed it just sort of unilaterally just because people didn't like it. The Adrian Peterson situation was handled really oddly. The, who's the guy um, who's no longer in Dallas, the defensive guy who I can never remember his name? Uh, Hardy. Greg Hardy, Greg right. Hardy, yeah. Greg Hardy had, I think, a six-game suspension. Was it a four-game suspension? Six, I think. He had a four-game suspension, and then they increased it to 14 or something. No, no, he, he played. He only No, he missed the first four games in Dallas last year and then played the rest of the season. Uh, yeah. So that's another sort of very questionable thing. Again, like he beat a woman very badly. Nearly to death. And uh, he got the same. And Tom Brady was suspended for the same amount of games. Like the NFL spent more time going after Brady very publicly than going after these other guys. I think that really hurts the NFL might, you know, um, that might, PR and I their mean, rep. Not, not, not to get to the heart of your question at all, but to bring up the Brady thing. Yeah. The Brady thing might be a great red herring for them. They don't want to talk about the other stuff. Yeah. They want to talk about the aspects of the game and the integrity of the game because the, right. this makes it seem like the game is sacred and important, and and you can't make the ball less or more inflated than you than the NFL says it should be. So the most important thing is this really really important quarterback in the NFL did something wrong, and mm-hmm. the integrity of the game was sacrificed for right. that. And that way, we're not focusing. On the fact that it's a violent sport that breeds violent people, or doesn't doesn't necessarily breed violent people, but the way you come up, you're doing all of these violent things all the time because you're playing football. Mm-hmm. Maybe creates more violent people, and yeah, you got Greg Hardy. There's a lot of bad things yeah. that come of it, but doesn't but don't you think that when it ended up happening with the Flake Gate and I. I, maybe not everywhere, right? But I feel like a lot of people were saying, how does Greg Hardy and Tom Brady have the same amount of suspensions? How did Ray Rice only get two games at first when the only video was him dragging his fiance's body out, like kind of groceries, by the way, and under the ground, not caring, not lovingly at all? And then eventually when we saw the inside of the tape from the inside of the, the elevator, it was different. I felt like there were a lot of comparisons. Now, maybe that happened more among Patriots fans and in Boston than it did in the rest of the world. But it seemed to me that the NFL like showed their priorities were not great, and I feel like that just hurts them. And they got to see what that was like because the Deflategate thing's gone on for like a year and a half now. So they could have stopped at some point, but they just kept pushing and pushing and pushing. To me, that just seems really odd. I I mean I I think I'm going to go back to what I said before. Yeah, Deflategate is a continuous red herring. They're okay, you mean like it, away from like the concussion they're stuff? They're keeping too. it as a red herring. Yeah. Okay, that's it's a fair, still, that's an interesting point. But okay, so let me fix your original problem. Okay. All right. So. Maybe you don't agree with my assumption, but my assumption is that people are starting to realize how bad the NFL is for people. Okay. Like, I'm two or three years ago, people who were really into it, like you and I, started really understanding that it's terrible for the people who play it, right? I mean, more than two or three years ago right. for me, but sure. Malcolm Gladwell wrote an article about seven years ago on this. And okay, so it started to be realized maybe out. a decade ago, but... Three, two or three years Whatever. ago is when we started really talking about it, and for, well, uh, among at certain... least, at least for you. Let's, yeah, but let's okay. go on. All right, fine, whatever. Um, I think the NFL should have embraced that. I think they should, they should make it so it's like these guys care so much about this sport they'll fucking die. These guys know this is <laughs> not really good for you at all. Actually, they're gonna die younger, but they care because they're gladiators. Mm. And, you know, like embrace the whole macho bullshit yeah. culture. Yeah, I think that's the best way out. 
So you think if they do that, more people will watch the NFL again? Yes. Actually, I think do not. I mean, put a commercial on with D'Angelo Williams being like, I'm 34. I don't care if I get four more concussions. I want to fucking murder somebody on the field. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know that would really help ratings, I got to tell you. But it's an interesting idea as a publicity campaign. Maybe not exactly like that, but playing up the gladiator aspect of it a little bit more like, rather than downplaying playing it. Playing like up the do. understanding, like, I know this isn't good for me. Right. I understand that. Right. But this is the greatest thing that I can do with my life, and I love it. And yeah. my teammates are my heroes and I fucking want to smash into everybody and die. I mean, Tom Brady's kind of a great example of that, right? He's 39 years old. He's been hit a million times. He's super rich. His wife is richer than him. He's married to a supermodel. He's good looking. He still seems to have his health. He's wildly famous. He can do almost anything he wants to do with his life. He chooses to keep playing football anyway. Right. I mean, What's going on there? It's a guy who is so competitive and loves playing so much. It's more important to him than potentially getting hit in such a way that it'll ruin the rest of his life. Like, that is an interesting concept. Well, I, you know, this is going to be a little bit not that interesting. So sorry, but. um, Great. No, that's fantastic. (laughs) I know football culture is a little bit weird compared to the rest of culture. It's It's such a crazy group culture. I, I know I have a friend who's had eight concussions in his life, and he played high school football, and he got his fifth concussion. We were in senior year of high school, and and none of our other friends played football, and we were talking at lunch, and he was talking about it, and we said, why don't you just quit? And he's like, you can't quit. You don't understand. You can't quit. And I still don't understand what he meant. Yeah. But he felt it, and he played football and got two more concussions in yeah. high school. Yeah. And that's just how it is. Yeah, no, that that's that wasn't boring, and that is football culture for sure. Some version of that anyway. Yeah. A, t- a toughness thing, like get back in the game kind of a thing. Really different than in like the NBA and MLB, by the way. But in football culture, they say things like, well, you know, like I don't care if it hurts, get back out there. You know, like you're like gonna lose your job. Like the whole like, thing with Sammy Watkins earlier, where yeah. where Sammy Watkins was clearly having a, a severe problem with his foot, and Rex Ryan was saying it was a pain tolerance issue. Right. He's basically calling Sammy Watkins a pussy. Yeah. Like he's like, you're a pussy. I don't care if your foot's broken or half broken or whatever it is. You should be the best receiver on this team and fuck you. Like that's what he's saying. I mean, that's kind of right. I mean, the Panthers keeping Cam in after he got hit yeah. face face on, you know, by a helmet at the end of the Broncos game. They left him in for the end of that game rather than pulling him out because they thought a, an addled Cam is still better than Derek Anderson. That may be true, but that they would put that ahead of Cam's well-being is really telling, right? Yeah. And so at least embrace it rather than not. They go the other way. They pretend they're all about player player safety. Everyone knows it's a lie. There's just something in football culture that has grown out of some place that I I don't know where it came from, but it's different than anything else, really. I mean, all the NFL players, I've read about this, they know that they, at any moment, like any play, they could be like paralyzed for life. Sure. And they see themselves as being part of this very exclusive group who live that way. You know, and yes, there's money and yes, there's fame. Right. So here's the fix. Yeah. The NFL embraces that and shows the players genuinely, sincerely saying these things and makes it real. Like, that's how you fix the NFL's ratings. Okay. I don't know if that will work or not, but it's a very interesting fix. And it's not something they thought of, I probably, or like really strongly well, considered. They're not considering that, that's for sure. Yeah. They're, they're, they, it's weird how the NFL pretends to be about player safety when they're so not about player safety. And everything they do, all their true actions are really against player safety, right? It's it's kind of sad that they feel like they have to do this fake PR stuff when no one believes it anyway. It's like inventing the car and then putting an airbag in a car. 
I mean, airbags actually save lives. Yeah, they do. And maybe some of the things NFL does save lives, but there's still cars, right? I mean, a lot of people die in cars. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. At least, yeah. All right, no, fair enough. All right, let's move on. That was good. Nice job. Here's uh, problem number two. We're going to stay in the National Football League. The Chicago Bears. No. Yes. I love them. I know. (laughs) So John Fox has said he doesn't have a plan for the Bears when Jay Cutler comes back at QB. Because, of course, Brian Hoyer now has played a game and a half and has looked pretty good. Uh, Better than good. Better than good. So question number one, what should the Bears do with Jay Cutler once he's healthy? And two, how should John Fox handle this? Okay, it's tougher for John Fox than it is for me as the viewer. Hey, whatever. You're, part of your job, though, is to fix it All from right. John Fox's point of view. It's my job, but uh, my job is not to be neutral, right? No. Like, that's not my job. So no, I don't care. I'm a Bears fan. Those who have listened to previous Drunk Sports know that. I am so done with Jay Cutler, and so are probably the majority of Bears fans, yeah. I would guess. I'm fine with Brian Hoyer being the starting quarterback for the next couple of years. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe draft somebody, see if they come up. But Brian Hoyer has looked great. He really has. And Jay Cutler, maybe there's been a couple times where Jay Cutler has looked pretty good, but he's never been that great. And I, this is all bullshit, obviously, but I feel like his teammates don't respect him. <laughs> <laughs> but you're just making that up. Yeah, right? no, no. Is that because yeah. you don't respect him? Uh, I, I always will remember... God, I can't remember the backup quarterback's name, but in the NFC Championship game yeah. that one year where Jay Cutler got injured and he was sitting alone on the bench and nobody came over to him. And what's his fucking name came in? The quarterback. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember you know what I'm talking about. I the do, blonde I do. kid. Yeah. And uh, he played well. The, the running back who had been on Dallas and then was on, on the Bears, uh, the, the touchdown vulture. What do you remember his name? No. Anyway, he, he made a terrible fumble. Mm-hmm. It was an awful fumble. The running back made an awful fumble. And. It kind of ruined the game for the Bears, and it was Henke, right? Or no, not Henke. Nope. I don't know. <laughs> Henny. Nope. Not, it wasn't Chad Henny. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Same. Yeah. The quarterback came over to the running back <laughs> <laughs> and sat with him and consoled him and said, like, it's okay. Uh, it's yeah. fine. And I thought in my mind at that moment, Jay Cutler would have never done that. And then they panned over to Jay Cutler by himself on the bench with nobody around him. Yeah. Like, nobody likes Jay Cutler. Nobody respects Jay Cutler. Let me ask you this. How would the fans in Chicago feel if John Fox announced today or tomorrow, Brian Hoyer is now the starting quarterback? Would they, they be would happy? Feel, yes. Okay. I, I genuinely believe everybody would be happy. Yes. Okay. So, so John Fox doesn't have that much of a... A PR mountain to climb here, right? No. You could just name Hoyer the starting quarterback. If it doesn't work out, you can go back to Cutler. No one's going to care because this Bears suck anyway. Cutler could be just like your your great backup quarterback that's just in case. Who you pay $20 million a year to. Well, I mean, that's a sunk cost. I mean, yeah, that's true because yeah. they're going to cut him after this year almost certainly. Almost certainly. Brian Hoyer has been playing better than Jay Cutler has for the past couple of years. Yeah. There's that. Okay. Nice right. job. That was a pretty easy one. That was sort of a softball. Yeah. Just thought you might get upset about it as a Bears fan. And I, I did. And I did. And I didn't bit. remember the names of the important players, so I apologize that for was, that. That was at least interesting. You, do, you never really hear a sports podcast where the guy says, and then the quarterback went to the running back yeah, if, and if, said something. And you're not talking about like Pee Wee football. If you guys needed any indication that we don't do enough research before drunk sports, there it is. Well, I mean, I didn't know you were going to talk about a playoff game well, from like I mean, four let's years drunk, ago. I mean, uh, to be fair, let the drunk fix it. I'm supposed to be in the dark. so Yeah, you're in the dark and you're drunk and I don't know what you're going to bring up. So these things are going to happen. And it's, you know, you're drunk. It's supposed to go that way. It was entertaining. All right, you ready? Yep. Last one for yep. LTDFI this time around. This one is definitely getting fixed. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. 
The Samsung Galaxy 7. Oh, wow. How does that have to do with sports? <laughs> Let's find out. <laughs> the Samsung Galaxy 7, of course, is uh, one of the highest-end flagship phones in the world. Grant, uh, he's going for number nine. Number nine, right? Yep. Sounds good. All right, oh, cool. Foamy. Whoa, very foamy. It's all over the place. Not my problem. So the Galaxy 7 is one of the highest-end phones in the world, and uh, you may have heard about how the original release of them, uh, several of them spontaneously combusted, caught on fire, Who things cares? like that. Um, it was a bit of a problem. <laughs> yeah. Samsung recalled all the phones. On uh, we, We've gone on a flight together, and, and before flights, it was said, if you have a Samsung Galaxy Note 7, please turn it off before the flight. Yeah. Like, you're not allowed to use it at all. Yeah, that's right. Amazing. Uh, and the reason why is because, in fact, f- phones have actually caught on fire during plane <laughs> during the plane you know in the air and that was a problem so so samsung put out a fix like recalled a bunch of phones sent out new ones to people fixed ones there was a way of the little battery was green which meant it was a clean and good one and you could use those and all that those have also since started catching on fire right so that's a problem so very recently a bunch of things have happened first okay. samsung yesterday said to everyone turn off your note sevens don't turn them back on until we fix the problem. So everyone just had to turn off their phones. Um, very quickly, T-Mobile and Verizon both announced they were no longer going to sell the Note 7. And then today, Samsung announced they were no longer going to produce the Note 7. They were shutting down production entirely. So Samsung, which is, I think, maybe the biggest cell phone producer in the world in terms of sales, has a kind of a PR issue here, buddy. Their phones catch on fire. Even after they said they fixed them, they still caught on fire. How does Samsung come back from this? How does this relate to sports? They advertise on uh, NFL and stuff. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of uh, you know players have Samsungs too, uh, like yeah, LeBron. I mean, LeBron for sure has advertised for Samsung. Yeah, before. so there you go. I mean, it's a pretty direct. Therefore, link. it is a sports-related question. I, you know, this is called "Let the Drunk Fix It." It's not "Let the Drunk Fix This Sports Problem." It is called "Drunk Sports," though. But it's called "Drunk Sports." <laughs> anyway, don't don't you're just delaying. Don't stop trying to stall and get right. to the solution, buddy. All right, I think okay, come with a fix here. See, we got to be creative on drunk sports. I can't just throw you sports problems every time. It's too easy. All right, I think Samsung. This, this is what Samsung does. All right, All right. it's easy. Okay, it's easy. All right. <laughs> so Samsung, I'm sure, maybe not. I'm sure, but Samsung probably still has a lot of the old flip phones from like 2003 or something ah, laying around. Of course they do. That are that are used like they're not smartphones, but they're, they're little flip phones. Boxes and you boxes know. of them. So, as we know, style is cyclical, and yep. things things come in phases. And you know, the idea of the 90s is definitely very popular right now. Okay, I'm right. with you so far. It, so. Let's say Samsung takes all these flip phones or produces a lot more of them. I mean, yeah. For everybody who had a Note 7 and had to shut it off, they send them a flip phone. And it becomes a cultural fucking revolution. Like, <laughs> flip phones are back. You're you're doing T9 text messages. Oh, yeah. Like, shit like that. Like, everybody gets a, a flip phone who had a Samsung Galaxy Note 7. And maybe they're, like, cool colors or something. Something to make them stand out. Samsung should run an ad. 
about the flip phone saying like why do you need all these functions how about if you just had a flip phone what if life was simpler and then we got like chopping wood and shit and then using a flip phone and calling somebody taking like 10 minutes to send two, a two sentence text to somebody yeah like because that. he's like he has to figure out all the numbers and stuff but t9 you know t9, t9 it's yeah. a little better yeah predictive little, text yeah. <laughs> i think that's the solution it's easy. that's actually pretty good now let me ask you so this would these would be legit like 2002 flip phones so they wouldn't have any new capabilities they wouldn't be like no. lte no they would <laughs> they wouldn't have like any internet no. capabilities nothing can't no. watch like a video on it or let's find out if the hipsters are for real or full of shit huh let's, let's find out <laughs> that's <laughs> hip, how i don't think hipsters very many hipsters have note sevens anyway that's the problem okay well they would buy them though they might they, actually they, 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 might, they might buy the the flip phones that were sent yeah you know in um it follows the movie. It follows one of the cool things about it is that it's unclear what time period it takes place in. At times, it looks like it's in the fifties. At other times, it looks like it's in the future. But it's all one coherent story. Still, it's pretty cool. And there's a one of the actresses or characters has like a Kindle, but it's like a clamshell Kindle, and she just uses it as if it's really normal. But no one's ever seen technology like that. No one's ever seen it done like that before. So, so it's sort in of an a similar kind of thing. universe, I suppose. It's unclear. It's just the whole thing is a little bit unclear. Yeah, and they never bother to explain it. And you know, there's a lot of other things going on. It's a great movie. So that's exactly what Samsung should do. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Like it's sort of the same idea. I, a I think bit. without telling the people who have the Note 7s, they should just send them the flip phones and say, this is your new phone. <laughs> By the way, you know, the Note 7s are among the most expensive phones in the world, like $900. Right. But do you understand how much these phones will be worth in like a month and a half if the hipsters get wind of this? <laughs> <laughs> how many hipsters are there? Are there so many? That they Billions. Can, <laughs> they can affect market prices well, and things course, like that, uh, worldwide are, market prices is that for a, flip Is phones? that a thing you just said? What? Can hipsters affect market prices? Worldwide phone market prices? Yes, I'm asking that okay, question. Okay, phone market prices. That's what once, we're talking once about. Once Samsung does this, then yes is the answer. <laughs> the answer is you send the 2002-level phones. They yeah. flip open. You have to use T9. Maybe some of them don't have T9. It depends on which one you get. <laughs> you don't even, you're like, wish not, you got the T9 they're one. Not, they're not universal. It's like so, it, it's like you got to catch them all. It's like Pokemon, <laughs> yeah, which has had a recent resurgence. So why not? Man, oh man, it's, you know how bad it is? Do you remember what it was like when you didn't even have T9 where you'd tell you, like, you like hit three and you'd have to go through all the different letters right. of the three <laughs> yeah. before you get to the next letter? Yeah. Oh, so brutal. It's it's like Pokemon culture, you know? It, you got the collector culture going on. And I, it, I honestly, it would be better if Samsung had like 15 different models, which I'm sure they had back yeah, over sure. time, of, of flip phones, which were not smartphones. And one of them was super rare, you know, yeah. like, and a couple of them are like really, really uncommon. Yeah. You know, just like, this is an easy solution, really. Just like send to all the, your Note 7 people, but there's a finite number that only people who have bought Note 7s get these things. And like 0.4% get this one super rare kind, <laughs> you know, 50% get the super common kind, and there's the in between kinds. Yeah. And everybody becomes a collector. It's a fucking. New economy. <laughs> Look how ha- you're going is crazy excited about this idea. I got to tell I think you, you can't best, see his face. I think it's the best idea ever. All right, there's a few questions. I nope, have. don't ask. Them. I want to ask about your <laughs> okay, fine. Go on <laughs> okay, number one. So all the people who spent their eight hundred dollars or whatever it is on their notes, right? Yeah, they're gonna get a phone that was probably two hundred dollars in in two thousand and two. How are they gonna feel about that? Okay, so yeah, go ahead. Easy. Samsung sends them a note that says. We understand this might not be as 
worth as much right now. Yeah. Hold on to this thing for five years. You're going to be rich. <laughs> okay. All right. Great. That's solution because, number one. Because part of it is it's like Bitcoin. There's a finite number. Yes. Right. Yeah. So they're not going to like keep producing these old phones and sending them out. It's like they're they're sending out the old phones only to these people who have had these Samsung Note 7s. Okay. All right. That's an interesting response. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll grant you that. All right. We can live in that world. I mean, why not? You can have the clamshell, the clamshell Kindle and, you know, the phones from like 1950 all at the same time. Why not? Okay. Um, question number two. How does this really repair Samsung's PR image, though, of a, of a company that makes phones that blow up, essentially? Who for, cares? you got to collect them all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what about, like, for sales, for future sales? Though, these are just phones they're giving away. How do they make money in the future? Oh, no, Samsung's it? fucked. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got nothing to fix that. But you got to collect them all, and Samsung can... can... But, yeah, because they could, in theory, then, if they make it really hip to have these flip phones, actually pr- produce lines of flip phones sure. again, right? As long as, as long as the flip phones don't blow up i think they'll be okay people will forget they'll remember the crazy awesome campaign yeah that that, that samsung did where they sent everybody flip phones that, that's, that's what they'll remember that could be true i guess sort of like the way the nfl like the red herring with the flake gate right yeah okay but then if they did that what you're saying like make a lot of flip phones sell a lot and all that doesn't that lower the value of the ones they're sending out right now isn't that the whole point that I'm those are going to be worth something in the future? No, they're only sending. They're, it's a one for one deal. Yeah. If, if you had a Note Seven, you get a flip phone. Got it. And it's random which flip phone you get. Right. There's 15 models or whatever, and the rarity is is based on just randomness. Let's say you get one of the more common ones, though, right? Okay. So that one, and then Samsung starts producing. Well, it, flip in, tw- in 20 years, it's worth a lot more because <laughs> because it has a serial number that shows that it's original. Oh, it's one of the original like ones that went out for the Note yeah. Seven recall. Yeah. The all the other ones are clearly not those because yes. they don't have those serial numbers of and, course and collectors are going to care about you have that any idea about collecting of course <laughs> 20 years from now so in 2036 someone's gonna be like wait a second is that one of the samsung recall flip phones not a normal ref- yeah phone? which by the way we all use even now because <laughs> there's they've changed our society <laughs> steve jobs changes this changes back baby yeah, yeah. um and they're gonna say like I have to give you a hundred thousand dollars for that, or a hundred thousand bitcoins for that, right well, now. Well, maybe not. Maybe not for for the most common one, but the com- yeah. most common one in twenty years is going to be worth about ten thousand at least. Okay, I mean that's probably worth getting, even yeah. ten years from you know. Yeah. If you're, you'd probably take that as if long you as you're that. as you're willing to invest. You Here's know? the question: What if you're an old person and you don't think you're going to be alive in ten years? So you put it in your will, deal with it. You just give it to someone else. I guess, yeah, that's still worth ten grand. You could probably sell it to someone else for like five grand right now. That's pretty good. I don't know about five grand. <laughs> if it's gonna be worth ten grand in ten if years. If you get one of the common ones, I don't know about five grand. You just said it was gonna be worth ten thousand dollars in ten years. In twenty years. Oh, in twenty years. Yeah. I thought you and said ten. This is a limited production situation. <laughs> it's only right now. How much could they get for one of the common ones, you think, right in, now? If right they, now? How much would they how much would a common one go for in twenty years? In twenty years, yeah. ten grand. How much could they get for a common one right now? Then how much would someone? How much would you pay for a common one? Nothing, because I'm <laughs> not sure yet this is going to happen. But I am sure Samsung's going to do this. <laughs> You're not sure. Wait, what's going to happen? That they're going to become collectibles? Uh, yeah. <laughs> that is that's a problem for yeah. sure. But the note is going to say that they'll become collectibles. Yeah. Sometimes you have to like you know step into the breach, you know throw your hat over the fence, and that's what forces you to climb over the fence. This that you is think the is too farthest tall. the field we've ever gone on drunk sports. It feels great, doesn't by it? By far. <laughs> I don't know. The Ryan Lochte situation was similar to this, wasn't it? That was the best segment we've ever had. In this sports. this might be the best segment we've ever had. <laughs> oh, okay. I don't know. This is pretty darn good. 
All right, I feel like you've solved all problems that mankind has, so maybe this is a good place to wrap it up. All I right. want to remind everyone at Drunk Sports Show for some Let the Drunk Fix It suggestions. You can tag your tweets, LTDFI, if you want. makes it a little easier. Also, any other suggestions or thoughts you have for the show, tell us how you're doing with your drink along with Grant. Anything else you want to say, Grant? Uh, nope. Just uh, be careful. Don't put your phone under your pillow. <laughs> right on. We'll see you in two weeks. We'll be right back.